Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Star Guys, a podcast about Stargirl on DC Universe and the CW. I'm only one of the Star Guys, Alex. <laughs> I am four Star Guys bonded together in a justice society of Star Guys. I'm Justin. Wow. I'm Pete. How many Star Guys are you, Pete? I've never been asked that before. Well, first time for everything. Answer the question. <laughs> That's called a hardball question, Pete. You have to On a good day or a bad day? I don't know. What kind of day is today? A good day because we got a new episode of Stargirl, right? So good day. Hit, good hit day. Me. I would say two and a half star guys. Two and a half stars. <laughs> All right, somewhere between me and Justin. That's good to know. Now, we're going to be talking about the third episode of Stargirl, titled Icicle, written by Colleen McGinnis and directed by Michael Nankin. Uh, This is for the DC Universe version. However, this is about on par with the length of the CW version. Previous two episodes ran 50 minutes plus on DC Universe. There was a good chunk of material cut out. So, hey... Whether you are watching on DC Universe or CW, it's pretty much the same. That said, we're still going to have a bonus podcast to talk about what was deleted that'll be up after the CW airing. Um, So that's our business out of the way. And now on to pleasure. Pete, you have a question. (laughs) Yes. When you say about on par, because, you know, sometimes there's a par three, sometimes there's a par five. You know, there's a big difference here. Do you mean 15 minutes 25 minutes, 14, 3, what are we talking about? Oh, great question, Pete. So the airing on DC Universe is about 44 minutes long, and network TV is about 42 minutes long. Whoa. So based on that, I'll let you figure it out. Okay. It's a par of two right there. Yeah, two par. Two par, two that's par. what they say, right? Yes, because nope. nope, uh, we are golf. Well, the star guys love golf. That's one big thing. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what? That comment was a hole in one. Good. <laughs> you just That's the first time you used it correctly. Yes. Uh, on to golf. To from golf. Excuse me. To the recap. Let's talk about what happened previously on Star Girl. Courtney Whitmore was a resident of Los Angeles. Uh, she moved to Blue Valley, Nebraska, with her new stepdad Pat Dugan, and immediately discovered that the town is riddled with supervillains, completely full of them, chocked riddled. full to the brim. Ah, it's gross. It's just crawling out of every corner. Now these villains are the Injustice Society of America who 10 years prior, and remember the 10 years, that's going to become important right at the top of the episode, they killed the Justice Society of America, including who Courtney thinks is her dad, Starman. She doesn't know he's her dad, but she thinks he's her dad. Uh, 10 years later, Pat Dugan, who was a.k.a. Stripesy, the sidekick of Starman, married Courtney's mom, Barbara, and they moved back to Blue Valley. Barbara is working at Project New America, uh, though I actually think it's called the American Dream. American the Dream, yes. Uh, yeah. The Project New America is the secret project. Now, let exactly. me ask a quick question here. Is it classic sidekick, um, um, classic sidekick move to marry the dead superhero's wife? Or uh, a partner? A girlfriend? Potentially. I mean, that's... Girlfriend? That's when, you know, that's kind of one of those things where it's like if you have a partner... You know, that's kind of almost if my wife dies, you know, marry her, take care of her type of thing. You know, it's just Mm -hmm. it's a solid thing to do. Well, there's a difference between marrying and taking care of. And of course, if I die, Pete's going to marry my wife. So thank you, Pete. Thanks for taking care of her. 
No problem. And I'm going to do my best to raise your children. I just want them to know there'll be some changes, but, you know, mainly <laughs> kind of same principles. <laughs> wow. That's, I'd like to hear some of these changes real quick, parentally speaking. Yeah, Pete, you want to lay those out? Or, you know what, let's get back to the recap because we still have a lot to get through with this episode. Uh, Now, Pat also has a robot suit. Pat has a robot suit. It's been named (laughs) Stripe. Uh, And as established last episode, Stripe is the sidekick. And Courtney has taken on the mantle of Starman, or rather, she's calling herself Star Girl. She has a cosmic staff, which is the weapon slash tool uh, that kind of has a life of its own that Starman had. Uh, and together, they're going to be fighting evil in Blue Valley, even though Pat is kind of like not totally into it. He doesn't feel particularly good about putting his stepdaughter in danger. Other member of the family we should probably mention is Mikey. He is the sarcastic New oh, York style kid, kid who's always razzing. He's razzing his dad oh, all the time. Fantastic. He's a real um, uh, Andrew Dice Clay of the child <laughs> set here. <laughs> he is. He's yeah. really. Uh, he's all punchlines, that guy. Yeah, he's yeah. zinging. He's smoking yeah. a cigarette over yeah, the top of his head. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's the Whitmore Dugan family and mostly what you need to know about them. Uh, there's the Justice Society of America, of course, who were the superheroes who were killed 10 years earlier. We find out a lot more about them this episode, so we'll be talking more about them. But on the Justice Society end, there's also a couple of other supervillains that are hiding out beyond uh, that you should probably know about. Uh, first one is Brainwave. He, of course, can use mind control and move things with his minds. He has a kid named Junior, um, who he has a very contentious relationship with. Brainwave last episode was sent into a coma when he fought Courtney. Not totally your fault. She's not too torn up about it. It's all good. But he's in the hospital <laughs> in a coma right now. Uh, but this led to the return of the big bad of the Injustice Society of America, who is Icicle, a.k.a. Jordan Ma Kent, a.k.a. his dad, mom's name is also Martha. Mm. Uh, and he <laughs> headed back to town. We find out exactly what's been going on with him this episode. But he is the leader of the Justice Society of America and the guy who killed Starman back in the day. Uh, what else should you know? Oh, yeah, there's a couple of other uh, members of the Injustice Society popping around. We haven't found out about all of them. If you watch the CW airing, you miss this. But on the DC Universe airing, we found out a lot more about William Zarek, who is a councilman, I think, or he's yes. running for ca- yeah. city council. Uh, he is the wizard. He has a wand hidden in a safe in his house. He has a son uh, that we find out more about this episode and then a lot uh, less about uh, and a wife named oh, Denise. Sorry, wow, very sad geez. way of putting that. Did you write that ahead of time? That's, no, I didn't. I'm just cold here. I'm just going that's with cold. it. Yeah, he's got a lot of yeah, funeral zingers. When you die and I take care of your kids, that's the kind of care they're going to Oh, expect. wow. Nice. <laughs> If you guys both die, um, I, I'll move both of your wives into my compound. <laughs> Classic sitcom setup. Yeah. Wow. Last couple of folks you probably need to know about are the kids at Courtney's school. There's a couple of kids that she's gotten to know at the singles table, uh, including Beth, who is super attached to her parents. There's also Yolanda, who is very standoffish for reasons we find out more about this episode, and a couple of others that we'll probably touch on. But that all the way out of the way, why don't we jump into the episode? Episode. Why don't we start talking about it? It's funny. It's funny to meet so many kids. It's like, are they going to be important at some mm. point? And for what? No, probably. They're just they keep introducing characters and then they're just going to kind of disappear by the wayside. Uh, no, the, exactly. like the janitor. They keep showing. I will say on this podcast, I think we're going to kind of dance around spoilers rather than outright stating them. But it's funny that in the press materials and the pictures they've been putting out, They've basically been like, no, this character is the superhero. and This is what's going to go on with them. They've been very upfront about it. Yes. Which is, I mean, I think it's cool because it's exciting to be like, oh, it's not just um, Stargirl. We're going to get a whole team. Like, it really raises the stakes. Uh, But, yeah, it's a bummer to sort of know too much ahead of time. Yeah, it's kind of it takes away the surprise, the reveal of it. It does get you excited, but it's it's also like a little bit like, oh, now I know that's going to happen, and that person's going to be that person, you know. But so. I mean, we all in high school put together super teams with our friends and some enemies. Mm, yes, right? Yeah, of course, we all did that. We all had that experience. Yeah, I mean, 
the hard part was when a teacher would come over and be like, you're going to be on a team with so-and-so, and they're going to be so-and-so. And you're like, ah, oh, teach, I wanted to learn that on my own. Uh, come on, PT. Yeah. Well, let's move on and get to the next section of the podcast. So, Wow, nice. Teachers Teachers are the ultimate spoilers because they tell you about the world. Mm. Yeah. All right. They spoil, like, gravity <laughs> and what's inside frogs and stuff. Uh, let's move oh, on. So as the episode starts, we just hear breathing, icy cold breathing over the opening credits. It says Blue Valley, Nebraska, eight years ago. So, of course, the timing is important. This is two years after the Injustice Society killed the Justice Society. They seem firmly ensconced in Blue Valley at this point. And we immediately see Jordan Mockhead, a.k.a. Icicle, showing up, taking his son's hand. What's going on, Pete? I just had a question for you guys. When it started with the breathing and the kind of the darkness, I got a little nervous that because I like this show very much. It's bright. It's fun. I got worried like, oh, don't go DC dark on me. Don't start to make things too creepy. And I was kind of worried about this tone throughout the episode, but I was happy the way they dealt with the dark stuff in a way that was like, kind of like not too bad, but that still gave you a lot of it. This was a darker episode Mm -hmm. for sure. And I think like this beginning teed it up as sort of like, Ooh, this is, you know, it's a chilly episode uh, throughout. And especially like, Icicles, like sort of a goofy name for a villain, mm-hmm. and then they mm-hmm. made him terrifying. Um, the wizard mm-hmm. is like a little bit, uh, you know, like goofy as well, and yeah. the, all this like tragic stuff that happens in that plot line. Like it was, I was surprised it went that way. Well, I think they're they're treating it seriously, right? Like not what I like yes. about it is it's not nineteen eighties nineties superhero film seriously where it's like we're dark you know or i guess early 2000s is probably the better thing where it's like no we're very dark and serious we're not like that silly superhero stuff it's still leaning into the comic book nature of it but it's taking the core of the characters very seriously which is what jeff johns is so good at yeah yeah agree i mean it's tough though because a part of me just is like i want just all mike zingers for a nap, you know what I mean? Like, can we just you know enjoy Mike a little bit more? He has a stand-up special coming to Prime Video, right? Oh, I can't wait! <laughs> yeah, it's going to be really great stuff. Like, really covers Cheetos. Mm-hmm. Uh, the as you it's should. called uh, Mikey likes it with a question mark. <laughs> yeah, he lists stuff he likes like fish sticks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. Classic I'm, Mikey. Uh, this whole yeah. sequence right here at the top really reminded me of the beginning of Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, and oh, I yeah. almost felt like that was purposeful, that we see Jordan taking his son's hand, walking down the hallway. He says, it is time. My son. Um, oh, yeah. His mom is sick. She's lying there. Drew, drew, uh, the son drew a picture for her. Um she tells Jordan, fix the country, and if anyone tries to stop you, destroy them. The mom dies. The f- he runs out, screams, and freezes the garden. And the reason I say, like, purposeful Guardians of the Galaxy is because the great again Guardians of the Galaxy is, of course, Peter Quill goes to see his mom, can't deal with it, runs out, goes into a field, and same sort of shot, but we see a spaceship take him up and kidnap him. And here it's like the dark version of that is what I took away from it. Yeah. 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 I mean, it was a great kind of uh, villain kind of like moment, you know, the kind of pan out, you know, as they're screaming and using their uh, power. Um, But yeah, I was really, I was like, Oh my God. And then the mom when she pulled them in for the whisper and just laid down the evilness, I was like, oh, fuck. Like, we could have had a chance. Like, this guy could have been a hero because she at first was like, hey, do the right thing. Be, you know, helpful. You know, look out for our daughter. And then it was like, come here, but kill anybody who gets in your way. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, uh, come on, you throw the godfather on me. What did you got to do that? Yeah, you know? that's a fucked up thing for your last words to be like. Yeah. Murder. Yeah. Uh and I, I think that sets up a nice dynamic, though, here, like the Injustice Society or Icicle and whoever he's going to be working with, they feel like they're doing the right thing. They're not like a mustache twirling villains. They're like, we are saving America, even though they're doing horrifying things. But we can all admit, though, that was a dick move on her part being like, you know, throw making them kind of evil, right? 
Wait, making who kind of evil? What do you mean? Icicle, kind of turning Icicle into like a giant. I mean, he was pretty evil before. He did kill Starman (laughs) and a bunch of other people. I mean, it depends on how you look at it, I guess. Maybe he was tossing him. He was tossing him a sharp icicle, and then Starman caught it in his chest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But I guess you're right, Pete. Like Riza, she's like bringing up evil. Like, hey, been pretty not evil for a while. Remember evil though. Mm. Yeah. Right. Like, that could have been a turning point. If he promised her to be good, maybe he could have done that, you know? I kind of want my last words to be, if anyone tries to stop you, destroy them. And then I just die. <laughs> you were that's like, ready to die. you're like, ooh, that's good. I'm going to use that. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys have last words? Do you have them ready? Um, I'll, I, I think, I guess, check, please. It makes a lot of sense. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Wow. Nice. You're going to die at a restaurant, <laughs> of course. Yeah, and I'm not going to pay. a solid bit. Yeah. yeah. Pete, what uh, about Pete, you? what about you? Um, I think my last words will probably be Justin's a piece of shit, and then oh, just wow. kind of keel over. You know what Strong I mean? Strong choice. Something, something just for the fans, you know? Or will, will you be like, box up the rest of my cheesesteak? <laughs> uh, bury me with my cheesesteak is probably yeah. better. I can't believe I ate the whole thing. <laughs> And then people can, like, pour out Mountain Dew on my grave. It'll be sweet. Uh, That'll be nice. I'll, of course, pour out the Mountain Dew with your wife, who I'm going to marry. (laughs) That is so fucked up. Cheers. (laughs) Cheersing a little wine glass of Mountain Dew. Uh, Then we get the credits. Presence Day. Courtney takes her costume to school. Meanwhile, Pat, fun little Pat and Mikey bit. Pat is playing some classic radio. Mikey is complaining. He's like, geez, all these old songs. And he's like, okay, I'll put on some NPR. Uh, and uh, then we, we get an establishment of the big conflict for the episode. Pat is making family dinner, but Mikey only wants fish sticks. And he, Pat, you got to choose a better fish in tilapia. We're not out of some weird cousin's wedding. Make a uh, nice fish. Yes. Come on. All right, all right. First off, back up the truck. We uh, That was another great montage joke. You know, like... It was like she was pulling out the, you know, the thing and she's like, oh, she can't just put it down. Like it was another like maybe this will be a montage of her like putting on the suit and doing stuff. But instead, it's, you know, Luke Wilson playing with the radio and making a joke about how it's not going to be another montage shot. I thought that was really hysterical. And then classic Mikey, you know, talking about like, you know, you don't eat fish for the fish taste. It was really funny. <laughs> Great. We can expect a lot of you stopping and really getting into the Mikey stuff, I guess, throughout all of this oh, podcast. We're going to dissect every Mikey line. Because okay. he's killing it on the yeah. show. Trey Romano, definitely killing it. Pete, going to be best friends with a kid. Very excited about this. Uh, so, yeah, Mikey wants fish sticks. Uh, Courtney, though as soon as Mikey leaves, wants to find the Injustice Society. This is the actual real conflict of the episode. Uh, Pat is, of course, concerned uh, that they're going to do that. He thinks they're dangerous. She th- he thinks she is undervaluing the amount of danger that the Justice, Injustice Society excuse me, brings to the table. Uh, but she says, I felt like I'm in the right place. And her plan is to find them, surprise them, and kick their asses. Pete, you can just talk. You don't have to raise your hand. What is going on? <laughs> Okay, great. Well, I just wanted to kind of be like, let you know I wanted to jump in when you were done. Uh, but I think that uh, I'm really liking the back and forth uh, with uh, Luke Wilson and Stargirl because it is, it's, you know, at first I thought it was like a little annoying that we're fighting all the time. But then, oh, my God, the back and forth has been very, very enjoyable. Uh, yeah, that's all I want to say. Well, and I will say, though, I th- I get it. Like, it's always her being like, let's go do this thing. And him being like, eh, I think we should take our time and not do that thing. So I, I definitely am looking forward to when Pat's like, all right, now it's our turn to kick some ass. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think I, I like the dynamic and I like where Courtney is certainly being brash and going ahead. But I think what the show is doing is underlining the difference between the hero of the sidekick. Like she very explicitly says, I put on the suit, I grabbed the staff and that for the first time in my life felt right. I knew where I was supposed to be. And that is something that again, underlines Jeff John's work. I know Justin, you're a big fan of Starman. I've been rereading the issues. Mm -hmm. I've been going through the trades again and there's such a, I have, and there's such a play in there with Jack Knight. Like there's so much dialogue and talk about 
when you are a hero, you know it, whether you want it or not. And given yeah. that James Robinson, who wrote Starman, is also writing on that, I think there's a fair amount of that play in this as well. Agreed. And I, I do like that. The reluctant hero is a fun, uh, fun dynamic. Yeah. I was a little concerned, though, about how quickly they started talking about secret identity stuff when Mike was barely left the room. They got to be careful, you know, otherwise Amy Smart's going to hear this and like really get concerned. They're busy. Barbara, a.k.a. Amy Smart, is busy with her job. Mikey's busy playing the switch and feeding gross stuff to the dog. Lots of things going on with their kids. Wait for that. We'll get to that comedy gold in a second. (laughs) Don't rush that. Wow. Too much upping of Mikey so far for my taste. I'm a little sick to my stomach like I've eaten an entire bag of Cheetos. So Brainwave Jr. wakes up in a hospital room. His eyes are red and super gross. He's got to get better rest, honestly. His dad is still in a coma. Uh, Jordan Kent is there, nods to him, and immediately calls Zarek. Uh, again, if you didn't watch the DC Universe airing, this might not make a lot of sense to you because there was a fair amount of time spent on establishing the dynamic between Zarek and Brainwave and Icicle that was cut out almost completely from the last episode. Uh, but instead here, we get to find out more about Joey Zarek, his kid, uh, he's showing his dad a card trick. Uh, the dad says magician's wait, greatest wait, wait. tool is well, we got, what? We got back up. You got to talk about the I phone really, call or something. Or like, <laughs> hang on, wait for it. I got. I really wanted to talk about the fact that like the can moves, like the the you know the sun's mm, passed mm-hmm. out there. The can moves. So the dad who's still in a coma, either the kid moved that can or the dad did. I like the way that they were kind of. Just kind of giving a little shout out to like it's not over for either this power or maybe the dad's going to come out of the coma or something. Uh, so I really like that moment. Um, I, I think it's the kid. Um, we ooh, you think so? Yeah, there's there was some um, in the last episode. They uh, brainwave was testing his kid to see if he had powers, and the kid like wasn't paying attention and sort of failed the test. But I feel like this is maybe a signal that he does have powers and is maybe going to be a. Maybe a hero, maybe a villain. Well, also, uh, Zavs, when it comes to the whole, like, uh, dad teaching uh, son magic, I laughed out loud at the idea of a wizard who's got a son who's that magic kid in school, the kid who, like, is running around doing magic. And that made me laugh so hard, the fact of, like, goes from wizard to like l- little kid who's into magic. Tricks. Well, I think it's sweet and it's funny and it does underline the conversation that he has with Icicle later where Icicle talks about how limited he was with his powers. What Zarek wants to do clearly is be that flamboyant stage magician. That is his aspiration. It's not necessarily to be the world's greatest supervillain or a killer or change the world or anything like that. He's thinking small. And I think the scene really underlines that very well. Yeah. yeah and he also just doesn't want to like it's he feels settled in his life in general. He's like, I want to be a dad. I want to run for council. Uh, I'm I don't need to go back into this world that I've moved past. Mm hmm. Yeah, he's locked it away. Uh, But the key thing, of course, with this sort of thing is he says a magician's greatest tool is distraction, which plays into the action later on when we get distracted from the main thing that's happening. Uh, And he gives a flower to his wife, Denise, which is very sweet. Then we're over to the school where we Uh, get. Is it sweet when it's like a cheesy magic trick or is it a little? No, she loves it. It's nice. She loves it. it. Do me a favor, Pete. Why don't you produce a flower for your lady in your life? And see if you, she enjoys it or not. Uh, I constantly do that. Constantly? So, you know, back up. Yeah. Without wow. stopping? I, I guess that explains the flowers you're surrounded by right now. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, uh, I think fresh flowers are a nice thing to get somebody. <laughs> I never heard of that. I've never heard of that before. Hmm. Interesting. I got to try that you out. Mean, you mean an edible arrangement? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I did, my friend. I that, wish I did. The nicest thing you can get anyone is an edible arrangement. <laughs> Are you sponsored by edible arrangements? I'll tell you why. <laughs> no, I just, Ed- flowers go right in the trash. Well, edible arrangements you can eat anytime. Uh, yeah, but sometimes uh, the melon gets weird. Any arrangement is edible if you try hard enough. <laughs> wow. 
That's true. I love tasting different arrangements to find out which ones are edible. <laughs> That's what I did at my wedding to Pete's wife, actually. We, we tried it. Oh, you actually pre-married her? He died for a couple of seconds in the middle of eating a cheesesteak the other day, and I just jumped at the opportunity. That doesn't count, man. Everybody dies a little bit when they eat a cheesesteak. No, cheese man. It's steak, like right? when you Buffy died, she died for a couple of seconds, and then Kendra took over. Same sort of deal. Yeah, oh that's true. God. In every generation, Pete's uh, wife's husband is bored. <laughs> I don't know. Wow. Where, where am I going with this? Okay, over to the school, uh, over to another character you might not know well if you've been watching on the CW, but Creepy Janitor shows up a little bit. He's cleaning up the broken school sign, locks eyes with Courtney. Clearly something going on with that dude. So Something's good. up yeah. with that dude. But this time he wasn't as creepy as before. Like he was in more light and he he wasn't like evil looking. It was like a little bit nicer version. Mm-hmm. Like maybe he's a good guy and piecing things together. Right. Is he cleaning things up or is he making them dirtier? I guess we'll find out. Ooh, nice. He's Stay a- tuned. He's like an in janitor, like injustice. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, the <laughs> uh, everybody is getting ready for the school talent show. It's a huge deal. Joey Zarek comes up to Courtney, says, hey, you're the new girl, right? Clearly, you've not gotten sick of my magic tricks. Shows her the card trick. He cannot do it. He gets the card wrong, but she's very nice about it. Says, yes, that's my card. Yes. Everyone loves it, including the moody kid standing behind her that we later on, oh. spoiler for the end of the episode, but not a huge spoiler, find out is Cameron yeah. Maquette, uh, the son of Jordan Maquette. Now, this is a bad boy role. He's a bad boy. He's a James Dean. I love this classic high school moment of kids gathering around to be amazed by a magic trick. <laughs> Very also, true to life. Also weird how Cameron's like taking notes in the background. Uh, but also what was fun about this, the start of the scene is that Beth uh, is walking down the hall with a bunch of glasses. And she's like doing that rimming thing where she's like making them sing. <laughs> Uh, Rimming is something different, but I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know what I mean. What but, a talent. What a talent. Uh, but yeah, that's just a weird thing to be walking down the hall doing, right? Uh, like, where was, is she going? What was going on with this talent show in total? Like, I get everybody being obsessed with the talent show. It's weird that we never saw the talent show. But did they go yes. out of town to do the talent show? And then we're on a bus? They're too talented. They have to travel across state lines to do it. I thought, the, I agree the whole thing was weird. Especially later when we get to that bus scene, it's like, look at this goof bus. <laughs> <laughs> Funny wigs and shit. I was like, "What is this?" Uh, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. It's straight. It's bizarre on a TV show to set up like, "Here's the big event we're all going to meet at this episode," and then never go there at all. Well, I guess you could say it gets a little interrupted. Um, Sure, but it's weird to be like, "Hey, all the talented kids, get on this bus, and we're going to take you somewhere across the creepy bridge." That's how uh, mathletes works. Yes. Mm. It's not creepy. The original, yeah. the original athletes were math. Yes, it's true. Uh, we also got a little detail about Yolanda. Find out more about her and why she's so moody. She has slut written on her locker. Um, and uh, the mean girls. This is this is the scene where the mean girls go up to her, right? Or is that later? Um, that's, on? Later. that's later. So we'll get to that. So uh, Yolanda has slut written on her locker. Courtney tries, and Courtney tries to help her, and um, Yolanda dismisses her pretty handily. Mm-hmm. Well, she's like, you're making it worse, which is kind of true. Yeah. Mm. Agree to disagree. Uh, So meanwhile, Pat goes to see Brainwave in the hospital, talks to the doctor, finds out he was wearing his lab coat, which establishes that somebody picked him up, took him out of his costume, brought him to the hospital, and he realizes he's not alone. There are more members of the Injustice Society in town. Crack detective Pat Dugan. Putting it all I know. together. Well, he's like the Batman of uh, this town. Just really like, so what was he wearing when he got dropped off here? And the doctor's like, <laughs> just, that's a fucking weird question, man. Yeah, Luke uh, Wilson killing this. Just sprinkling a bunch of Luke Wilson all over this. The way he's delivering these lines like, oh, yeah, too bad, right? Yeah. Well, I know him, so that's the reason I'm staring in here. And uh, hey, by the way, how do you, what was he wearing when he got dropped off? That's not creepy. Uh, it was just the delivery. This is a fun show. I'm glad they're letting people have fun in these moments. I agree. He's playing a goober 
perfectly. Perfect. And it's it's a great sidekick uh, role to be in. I will say, though, from the structural perspective of the show, like he's 100% definitely a goober, but for him to be 3,000 steps behind everybody else in the show and the entire audience, and then these moments to be played as a big reveal is... It's an interesting choice. It's a funny choice, but it sort of makes it feel more ridiculous when he's like, oh, my God, there might be other Injustice Society members here. When several scenes back, Courtney's been like, the Injustice Society is here. They're all here. We're going to go get them together. He's like, great. None of that registered heading to the hospital. Well, it's very much why you cast uh, one of the Wilson brothers. It reminds me of uh, Owen Wilson and Zoolander, where the files are inside the computer. Oh, yeah, that's such a great line. It's very the Wilson energy of like, oh, I get it now. And it's like, you're so far behind everyone else. Uh, So then we go over to big villain scene. Jordan is sitting very ominously on Zarek's porch, asks him to take a seat. Uh, he offers up information. We find out that it is Star Girl, so they know that it's Star Girl, not Star Man. Um, and he tells him, like we talked about earlier, he hesitated. He thinks small. Uh, Zarek explains that he was the one that broke Brainwave to the hospital, so we get a little bit of closure there. Uh, and yeah. as we also mentioned earlier, we get a very, I think, critical detail where Jordan says he made a promit, promise to combat injustice, injustice. for his yeah. son, which gives us an explanation of the name that I think makes sense. Yep. And also, like, I liked before that where he's saying true power doesn't need to be seen. Like, that's some... He's drinking the Kool-Aid and loving it. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And we also find out that their sons are important to them, which becomes important later when one of their sons dies. Uh, So... And then he says the... He drops the Project New America as well. We get that kind of sprinkled throughout. Right. Good way of hiding a secret project under your project is give it basically the same name. Yeah. Right? Smart. Uh, So Pat is working on Stripe. His phone rings. Uh, Turns out Mikey... Oh, Mikey. You want to take this one? You want to talk about your favorite character on the show? Yeah. Uh, So we get another fun Luke Wilson monologue where he gives a speech about playing arcade games and how no one loved video games more than Luke Wilson. And he goes... And talks about Paperboy, which I was like, oh, man, that was in my wheelhouse. Me Paper too. Paperboy was a Paper fun Boy. game. Spy Hunter, great great list from Pat. Yeah, um, it was a great list. It was a solid list. And then Paperboy truly was a great game. So weird and so hard. Um, yeah. I mean, he tells sort of a long story before he lands on the... Anyway, yeah. you're getting a paper route. <laughs> yeah, which is funny because that's what happened to me. Like, I got in trouble, and then I had to have a paper route. Do you think that. if he played Frogger more, it would be like, you're going to get a job as a frog jumping across logs? Yeah, exactly. You've been playing so much Metroid, so you need to go to a space uh, and fight a weird egg devil. Yeah. You've been playing a lot of Gauntlet, so Warrior needs food badly. Oh, <laughs> you've been playing a lot of Tetris, so you need to stand in a little square <laughs> and fall slowly from the sky. <laughs> I did like the Atari shout out. And uh, yeah, I thought about you. I, mean, I was this so... whole scene, Pete. This was What's this that? was right across the plate for you. Yeah. Yeah. It was That's fun. a golf term, right? I, mean, right across... I was going to say it's over. It's <laughs> over the plate. Out. <laughs> I don't know baseball, baseball as well as I know golf. There we go. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> Uh, so back to Jordan. He is introducing himself at the American Dream. I thought this was so funny. Where it's like, "Hi, everybody! I'm Jordan Bacchet," and everybody huge applause just for saying his own name. Yeah. Uh, he he explains what he's been doing for the past year, why he's been away. He's been traveling across the country, going from town to town. Says they're going to help America, one factory and one town at a time. Now, I don't think it's clear. We talked about this a little bit on the last podcast. What Project New America is necessarily yet. But I do think it's clear that whatever they are planning, he's been scouting other towns to start it in. Yeah. Yeah, but also he names like two places and Amy Smart gets like a weird look on her face like, whoa, like maybe she knows about things that have gone down in those uh, uh, spots. Do you think more is going on with Barbara? Do you think she's scouting out the American dream at the same time? Maybe. I don't think so. I think she wants to do a good job at her job and save the local theater. 
Uh, also, it's about time somebody noticed the talent uh, that Barbara is bringing to this uh, meeting. It was great the way, like, before she got shut down, and now uh, he was like, whoa, 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 look at this idea fountain over here. You guys like getting the a load of this? I like the idea that if someone was like, Pete, what's Stargirl about? And you'd be like, well, there's Barbara and Mike, and they do <laughs> some pretty everyday stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, but as Pete was mentioning, uh, the court, Colonel Sanders dude who, before Jordan <laughs> got back, uh, was running the American Dream, uh, says they're going to revitalize the town. Uh, he calls out specifically 308 Main Street, which Barbara gets upset about, uh, says it used to be a theater. They used to go there every weekend. It was the best part. And Jordan completely agrees and says they're going to bring it back over Colonel Sanders' objections. So clearly, Jordan is making a connection with Barbara already. Now, I'll throw out another thing. We had speculated that Icicle potentially was Courtney's dad, not Starman. I think based on the fact that Barbara does not recognize him at all, that nixes that theory. Agree. Hard agree on that. I do think, like, Barbara knows who her Courtney's dad is. So I, the fact that that's the central mystery of maybe the whole season is so weird to me. Um, yeah, it's a weird side thing. So where does our speculation go now? Creepy janitor? Yeah, I guess creepy janitor. He kind of looks like Joe McHale a little bit. Like, I feel like they could have yeah. somebody else play the creepy janitor the entire season. And the last episode, he pulls off his beard and it's Joel McHale, and that would be fine. Oh. Right? Wow, that, that would be that wild. That would be hilarious. I mean, we'll see what happens, I guess. I don't know. I, I still don't think it's Starman, but we're definitely running down members of the Justice Society, unless there's some sort of brain wipe thing going on with Barbara, which I guess is also possible. Uh, but True. probably not Icicle, probably not Colonel Sanders, dude, probably not uh, Brainwave or Zarek or any of the people that they saw at the open house the last episode. So it's got to be somebody that she hasn't encountered yet. Maybe uh, Solomon Grundy is her dad. Mm, that's a good wow. good call. Yeah. Awkward and they bump into each other in the American Dream basement. Mm-hmm. Solomon Grundy get married on a Monday. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> then we get the scene of the mean girls uh, torturing Yolanda. Courtney tells them yeah. that slut shaming is really damaging, but Yolanda thinks mm-hmm. she just made it worse. Uh, obviously, we're going to get more on that later. And then over to the math class, Courtney sees the Cameron drew flowers on his pad, realizes that he's the guy that painted flowers over the slut, the slut shaming that was on Yolanda's locker. So they form a little bit of a bond there. Uh, And then we get another nice scene with Barbara. She's looking at her family pics of the office. She's got a picture of her, Courtney, picture of Pat with Mikey. She puts them together. Very sweet and cute. And just as Jordan comes in, she knocks everything over. But he thinks it's okay. Loves the work that she's doing there, which was suggesting a theater, as far as I can tell. That's what she did during her day. Uh, And asks her if she can join a meeting that's happening super late at night to talk about the theater. Uh, She says she can't because of family dinner. Um, What do you think about this? What is the relationship between Jordan and Barbara right now? Well, what I don't like about it, it was this was a dangerously close meet cute where she drops something. He helps her pick it up. You know, he smiles at her and is like, oh, you know, um, you know, she's very family oriented, which he keeps talking about. So I don't like that. But I do like the fact that um, it's an interesting dynamic to have someone go from being ignored to all of a sudden super important. And I'm a little worried about uh, Barbara going forward and what that relationship's going to be. Do you think he's interested in her romantically? Um, I, I, there's something that the way he just said yes to that idea makes me think he knows who she is. And she doesn't know who he is, and there is something evil. He has a plan. And the fact that he looked at Stargirl and was like, this is your daughter, that was also extra creepy. So he knows, um, you know, that's definitely leverage for him. Yeah, I don't know if he knows about Courtney being Stargirl, but there's clearly... I think there's more to the story of why Barbara got this job back in Blue Valley, right? Like, it's not just Pat trying to track down the Injustice Society. I think Jordan and the rest of the Injustice Society need Barbara for something, for some reason as well. Because her job otherwise is totally unclear, other than being like, movie theaters, what do we think? 
and that's pretty much it. Yeah. Uh, but I guess we'll see. And it does. Oh, go ahead, Justin. It does seem like everyone else at American Dream is maybe in on the evil, or many of them, and she's just there being like, "What? What is this? What do we do here?" Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, Courtney's walking around town. She sees another mean dude who kind of looks like Cameron, but it was not Cameron. I thought it was Cameron for a second. Uh, drinking. Yes. Yeah, me too. Uh, it's not, though. Uh, hanging out. Courtney by, passes by him, travels to Blue Valley Park, where she finds a frozen star in the grass, realizes Ooh. it's a message from Icicle, tells Pat. Of course, Pat doesn't want anything to do with it. And in the middle, Pete, take it away. We get a Mikey seed. Oh, so Mikey is about to eat Cheetos. And then well, it's like, no, not that. Here, I'll give you 20 bucks to go to the store. You don't give Mikey 20 bucks. And then tell him, get whatever he wants. Oh, and I was worried because I thought Mikey was going to come back with booze and cigarettes. <laughs> but the man loves his Cheetos, and I appreciate it. Yeah, that. he got two $10 bags of Cheetos with the $20. Yeah, yeah. he did. What an investment. One- <laughs> One for him, one for the dog. And what a reveal that dog face is. So cute, covered in cheese. It's like Mikey is the star of a shitty sitcom happening at the same time (laughs) as this show. He's like Tim the Toolman Taylor, also in this show. Yeah, 100%. It's It's like a Disney Plus show called uh, Mikey's World or something. Yes, exactly. That's that's a spot Can't get enough of Mikey's World. Yeah. Uh, well, it is very fun. Uh, then he leaves. Pat, of course, thinks it's a trap. The staff wants to go too, which convinces him. Uh, yeah. So great, sh- rude staff, uh, rude staff, just showing up yeah, mid conversation, middle conversation. Ah, it's so excited. It's excited to fight evil. That's all the staff wants to do. Uh, it's yeah. eavesdropping. It's like an Amazon Alexa. Yeah, it's always listening. Yeah. Hey, staffy. Boop, boop. So yeah. <laughs> they fly over the park. Love the shot. The, the flying shots, like, just, they're great. I, I don't know what yeah. it is about them, but, like, they're nailing them exactly right. It feels very Superman movie-esque to me, the way that they're shooting yeah. them, even though they're very simple, and they're very fun. Uh, I was a little, like, this is your plan? What happened to the surprise them? You're, like, falling right Putting exactly where you aren't supposed to be. You're basically landing on a giant X, so he had all day to prepare for you. Well, they're investigating. They don't know he's there. I mean, I was surprised that Icicle was just sitting there. He of course he like- is. He's one to put the perfectly uh, manicured star right in the... Of course he's going to sit there and wait for you. It's a trap. He set a trap. He did set a trap. Yeah, no, I... Uh, but yeah, Pat gets frozen immediately, and then Courtney yeah. runs after Icicle to the point that we're talking about. It's showing how Courtney is brash. She's not thinking. Pat is overthinking everything, and basically they need to meet each other in the middle, which they don't really do by the end of this episode. Uh, we got the Cheeto scene. Classic. The dog yeah. ate the Cheeto. He's got Cheeto face. Can dogs eat yeah. Cheetos? I feel like that would make them very sick. Uh, probably. I think Cheetos uh, make humans sick, so definitely. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Slow your roll, bro. That is not true. Yeah, I always feel kind of gross after I eat Cheetos. I don't know. What? Yeah. What is not this? Not a huge fan. Are both you guys hating on Cheetos? Crunchy Cheetos, pretty good. But I would almost rather eat any other snack food than a Cheeto. Are you kidding me? I There's prefer a- when if something has cheese in it, if they... Fully have the word cheese there, and not just chi. <laughs> what about toes? You like toes? Yeah, chi. It should be cheese toes. Cheese toes. That's what they look like, like uh, gnarly little toes. Yep, that's yeah, why they're, they're delicious. Like little I, I crispy I, fingernails I, that you eat. I don't know what you guys are talking about, man. Like Jack's also phenomenal. You know, Cheetos. There's, uh, you know. The puffs, anything, man. Even the Annie's version is good. Like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. I'll tell you what, there is, I never find them anywhere. I think they're from Hers, but uh, Hers makes these Old Bay spiced cheese puffs. Those are good. Old Bay potato chips are like my holy grail, my white whale. I'm always searching for them. Crab seasoning, yes. Mine mine is the uh, Carolina style Utz. That's oh so yeah, good. but really the best snack when you think about it is a nice wholesome apple. <laughs> what? Are your kids next to you? Is that why you're saying that? That's yeah. bullshit. Okay. Uh, sorry, just keep That's, it going here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm, a glass of milk. 
An apple? <laughs> and your vitamins. <laughs> oh, vitamins. The original treat. Oh, my God. Uh, so Courtney's staff also gets frozen. Icicle comes up, says, hello, goodbye. At which point we get a payoff of something that happened the last episode. Oh, Pat's fist finally just, works. Yeah, yeah, Icicle got fisted. That was glorious, Again, the way that happened. What that means. That's not exactly what that, that means. Kind of you know, wrong, but I understand. Also, the way that uh, um, uh, Stripe flexes out of the Frozen was so badass. Yeah. I believe the term isn't happened. fisted. I think uh, Icicle got rimmed, I think is what happened. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that what I, I think I'm using? No, that I correctly. think you're using that one uh, again. I understand what you guys are talking about. So, uh, icicle gets yeah. knocked onto a bridge as we mentioned earlier. Crazy school bus full of goofs going down the bridge. Icicle freezes it. They fall off the bridge. Uh, and it was very interesting to be action wise the way this was executed because this felt like a classic bus is falling off the bridge. Courtney flies in, saves the bus. We get the reveal of the superhero. But that's not what we got at all. Instead, Stripe flew over, caught the bus, and then Courtney shined her staff brightly so that they couldn't see what was going on. Uh, What did you think about this? Because I I liked it, but I was a little it felt a little off to me. The off part to me was the fact that like once the bus was saved, the fight was over and everybody just walked away. It was like, well, you know, I, I was at first I was like, okay. He got. He's trying to distract the hero so he can do his next move. But yeah, it was. Uh, it was a very interesting way to do it because I was like, why does he care about this bus? Why is he freezing this? And then uh, you know, it le- everybody hates the kid who does magic in school. So uh, you know, eventually, you know, you got to kill that kid. <laughs> wow, it's a horrifying way to put that. I mean, yeah, I agree with you, Alex. It was a little odd. I mean, I think. How are they going to hide their identities? They're out right. fighting crime in the middle of the day. Like, so that to me felt like a weird, like as something they had to solve right in that moment. Um, and it went from being like, yeah, sort of a, a goofy, like save the bus is teetering on the bridge to this like horrifying yeah. car accident scene. Um, and also I don't like, did, was this icicles plan the entire time? Right. Was he, was he out there to be like, I have to uh, kill Zarek's kid. And what is that plan even to, like, harden Zarek to make him, like, get back in the game? I I guess. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think if you go back to the whole, like, magician's tool is distraction thing, I think it's, like, maybe some sort of plan was to get Stars and Stripes out, take care of them potentially, and also take care of Zarek at the same time, or blame it on them, and that's not how it worked out. But it wasn't 100% clear. I think... They were a couple of degrees too subtle in terms of what they were actually going for, because it all everybody's plans on all ends felt too improvisational to me. You know? Yeah, it felt like too much of a coincidence or an Mm -hmm. accident. The way that like he got just happened to get fisted on a bridge where a a bus was coming, and then he you know froze the bus that just happened to have the kid. Uh, you know, after the big son speech, family's so important to me, you know, and then, oh, I'll just hit you with the, like, he could have just froze the kid, but then he, like, how did he not think the wizard would know it was him because he was hit by a car? He didn't. Yeah, I, I didn't, uh, to be clear, I didn't hate it or anything like that. It just felt, no, it was fun. yeah, it felt like maybe something got cut out in the script stage or they couldn't completely shoot it the way that they wanted to shoot it. So they needed to abbreviate things a little bit. Uh, And once they do get, as as we mentioned, where Icicle knocks Joey Zarek's cards in the way of a speeding truck, he gets hit by the truck, he dies. It is really heartbreaking the way that they execute all of this stuff. Uh, Cutting to Denise and William finding out their son is dead. They're screaming. It's so sad in it. They sat, we had to sit there for a lot of that. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. And the craziest part is they completely cut all of this out of the CW area. No, I'm kidding. Uh, That's, that's, (laughs) we'll talk about the actual deleted scene on the bonus podcast. Uh, But yeah, Wizard grabs his wand. Uh, We go over to Courtney. She's crying in the workshop talking about Joey. Uh, She wants to find Icicle, but gets cut off by Pat. And then we get. A huge Easter eggy scene for anybody who's a fan of the comics. So much fun. Uh, This is something that I want to do a more of a deep dive into when we get into the bonus episode. Uh, But we get to see JSA headquarters 
It's all did, but yes. real, quick, yeah, yeah. real quick. Did you guys think it was weird though that she still had the card? Like when she was sad with the blanket and then looking at the card, I was like, "All right." I mean, that's a lot. Like sad with a blanket, okay, but and holding the card, I felt like maybe it was a little much. But you, you think she should have returned the card so that they had a complete deck? <laughs> In case or they're she, gonna, you know, she goes to the funeral and then like you know. This, this was your card or something like that. I don't and know. Then, Putting a card on someone's coffin at a funeral is a sign like, hey, well, something's <laughs> fucked up here. <laughs> hey, if I had a funeral, someone's like leaving a weird clue. I'm like, hey, what's the deal with you? I, I like you putting a... Well, I think if you think about it from an emotional perspective, this is the first time we've seen Courtney smile in school the entire series so far. Uh, And even though it was dorky and a dumb magic trick, she clearly enjoyed giving that to Joey in that moment. Um, So I think you could say that's why it meant so much to her. Yeah, Yeah, she was being sweet. And like, even though it wasn't her card, she was being very nice to the creepy magic kid. He wasn't he was crazy. Raised by a he wizard. was just dorky. He was very 1980s yeah, I, magic kid. I think that's why Courtney liked him because he, he was they had no like he wasn't putting up a front at all. When so many of these other kids are like like the bad boy who's got a heart of gold. Yeah, which one? There's yeah, are two you talking the... about me? <laughs> no, I'm ta- what? No, I'm talking about Cameron. We're talking bad about boy... a TV show. You're not in the show. Yet, bad boy with a heart of gold is like how I refer to myself almost constantly. Wow. Let's talk about some good guys with hearts of gold. As mentioned, they're at JSA headquarters. We get classic style portraits. They're photographs, but they're set up like the Alex Ross paintings for the cover of JSA towards the end of Jeff mm-hmm. John's run on Justice Society of America, which is awesome. And we get to see The Flash, Dr. Fate, Our Man, Johnny Thunder, Wildcat, Green Lantern, as well as they have set up all of their artifacts, things that they used, like Green Lantern's Lantern, Johnny Thunder's pen, etc. Yes, uh, you, you both are bursting at the seams. What, what do you want to say? It's true. Yeah. The part where it's like, wait, has there been an owl there this whole time? Just, <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Who's feeding the, this owl? Is this owl yeah, just like living in this? Be like, here's a pen. Here's a thing. Is That's that like, a real owl? Like, like when you go to most museums, it's not like, and this is an actual bear. But then, like, the saddest part was he was like, He's been dead for years, and that owl. Doesn't know he's been dead. <laughs> I, I fucking know. started crying. I was like, "Really? Poor owl. That you was so ridiculous kidding. to me." You've known this whole time this owl's coming here every day, and you don't fucking how how was he supposed to know? Like the implication there was like he's like Doctor Midnight's owl is there. He doesn't know his master is dead. I, I would have loved it if he whispered so the owl didn't hear. The owl was like, "What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you didn't tell me like, what." Owl's famously stupid birds uh, doesn't know that his master's dead. Uh, crazy. Fucking heartbreaking reveal, like out of left field. I couldn't take it. I loved it. I love owls. So more of the owl. Pivot the show to be about Mikey the owl. Call it that even. Oh, come on. Great show. Mikey yeah. and the owl. That's a great spinoff. Mikey's definitely the most likely to be Dr. Midnight yeah. of all of these kids. Uh, so she looks at the pic of Starman, uh, says, realizes, what if we get help? She wants to start a new JSA. Uh, and Pat, I love this little bit of dialogue here, uh, says, you basically, like, you can't do that. They were the best. And she shoots immediately back. Did they start like that? which I thought was great. It just underlines exactly where we're going with the series. Uh, Also, we get a little tease of like, he's like, don't touch the Thunderbolt, which is the pen. That was hilarious. Very good. Don't touch the Thunderbolt. That was funny. And also like very odd that they didn't explain it at all. Yeah, It's like, don't touch the Thunderbolt. It's a pink pen. Anyway, uh, moving on. (laughs) No questions about uh, that. Watch out for that live owl. Also, yeah. (laughs) Nothing about this lantern or anything like that. Uh, yeah. yeah, so uh, Pat tells her it's too dangerous. A kid died today, and she says that's exactly why we have to, Pat. Um, Pat shuts it down. He says, no more Stargirl and Stripe. We can't do this anymore. Then back to the villains. Great scene well, here. It was, I like this whole thing of kind of like, 
you know, having somebody who's more youthful looking at the positivity, the kind of father figure being more like concerned about her health. You know, it was a classic like parents just don't understand moment where she was like, this is could be the start of something instead of this being like a dusty old room where a fucking sad owl lives. We can turn this fucking thing around. Sure. Uh, back to the villains. Uh, so uh, banging on Jordan's door, William enters. I loved how this was staged. Uh, he enters with his wand drawn. Yeah. Icicle says, wait, 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 and then immediately grabs his wand, freezes his wand, freezes him, and lays him down on the floor. Totally badass, Ugh. amazing move. Just one of my oh, favorite, yeah. like, terrible. I yeah. did not see that coming at all. Like, yeah, I couldn't believe that was uh, happening. Yeah, really well done. And then we get into this thing where the parents are working with him, uh, like, and again, so yeah. much darker than I thought. This Such show. Such a crazy reveal that the parents are there. They haven't aged at all since the eight years. Uh, and yeah, I was just like, these crazy, like, oh, yeah, there's an owl in the corner. Oh, yeah, my parents are just in a back room and they help me murder people. Like, what? Yeah. Uh, so crazy stuff. Uh, meanwhile, Denise, of course, completely destroyed. She finds out her whole family died. The whole town knows it. Of course, Sarek's death has been covered up by Icicle, so people don't know that he was frozen or anything like that. Uh, Then we find out that Barbara has decided instead, since nobody came to family dinner, she has gone to the meeting with Jordan. He's very excited to have her there. Meanwhile, Pat, Mikey. She's a villain. She's a villain. No, 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 guys, come on. That's smart. That's fair. That's if, Amy's if she, if Yeah, exactly. If she goes and you guys aren't there, well, then she gets a night then. You know what I mean? That's only fair. If you guys aren't going to be around, why does Amy Smart have to sit around and wait for you guys? Why are no, they she's having got business meetings. meetings at like 8 o'clock at night? That's what I want to know. Yeah. I've never worked past 6 o'clock a day in my life. <laughs> That's bullshit. And you, you know it. I work four I hours think she's a day a vill- three days a week. Yeah. Justin, sometimes your job didn't start till six, so I don't want to even hear that shit. That's right. I'm a night owl uh, that lives in a big old empty room. Hey, Pete, don't tell um, him that his master died, by the way. Yeah, oh, please. <laughs> please. Master, <laughs> fetch me. I want to sit on your arm. Uh, I think um, Barbara's a new villain called the Dinner Ruiner, and she's going to come and like make sure that no one gets a good family dinner. Yeah. And, of course, they do get a nice family dinner, though. They get some nice uh, Cheeto-crusted tilapia, which I thought was a nice way of bringing it all together. Oh, that would be delicious. Yeah. Don't even fucking, you know, like a pan searing with Cheeto crust? Come on. That's gross on gross. What does he work at? He's using the Taco Bell uh, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Let's Taco <laughs> Bell this shit. <sighs> That's a real sidekick dinner dish. Uh, and then we do get I've the reveal that uh, Cameron Kent is Jordan's son. They have their own family dinner. Uh, Project New America will keep everyone safe. So clearly he knows about it as well. Uh, and then we get a last little bit. Very exciting here at the end of the episode. Courtney is looking at the card. She makes a decision, goes, steals the stuff from JSA headquarters, including the Thunderbolt, which giggles, which I thought was super fun. Very yeah, fun. that's creepy. Uh, and then the giggling says, Thunderbolt. let's do a giggling pen. Let's go do some recruiting. So we are about to start a new JSA. Now, this is just, I mean, you know, kids today, no respect for the artifacts and that, you know, she's just going to steal all the JSA stuff out of the room. I mean, that's, you it's know, just sitting there getting dusty. Cool. She can do whatever yeah. she wants. I guess the world so. needs heroes. Yeah. And most museums have a policy where you can go in and take whatever you want as long as you do something cool with it. Yeah, I've been doing oh, that yeah, over the past couple of days. The cool cloth. I robbed, yeah. quote unquote, the uh, the Met. Yeah. Nice. That's why I went into the Museum of Natural History and was like, I need these dinosaur bones <laughs> for a pair of rollerblades I'm building. <laughs> and it's very cool. Yeah. I'm very excited to see that. And I'm very excited yeah. to marry your wife after you die trying to use them. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> star of the episode. Before we wrap up here, who is the star of this week's episode? Uh, let's go to Pete first because I have a fair idea of who he's going to choose. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, there's a lot of great moments. Um, I'm going to say it's a tie because it's going to my new favorite spinoff show, Mikey and the Owl. <laughs> no further. Mikey and the Owl are your two favorites. Wow. Yeah. And no further explanation. Uh, Justin, what about you? I mean, I feel like I've been giving it up for the villains um, so far this season, but like I thought the Icicle this episode was like just 
so much more evil and villainous than I thought they were going to go mm-hmm. in the show. It really sets up a great dynamic where his darkness lets Stargirl shine even brighter. So I like that. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, Icicle, this was, he, he was the name of the episode. He was the star of the episode. He had the biggest emotional arc. I really like how they're playing him out quite a bit. And everybody else was good, but great introduction at the end of the last week episode. And it really followed up this week. Uh, speaking of following up, if you want to follow up with us, you can follow us socially, Star Guys Pod, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, patreon.com slash comic book club to support the show and the other shows we do. We also do a live show every Tuesday at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube, so please hang out, check out. We'd love to talk about uh, Stargirl over there. Comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and more iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show. Particularly on iTunes, leave us a comment. We appreciate that very much. And for the Star Guys, this has been A Hole in One.